MSU Denver Online puts out a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And some of our very own staff members at DNVR are taking MSU Denver online classes this summer. Uh, Harrison Wind, who's taking one of those classes, says that the professors are very engaged and they're extremely responsive to emails, questions, and concerns. Many of the professors work in the same field that you're taking your class in, and that means that there are great networking opportunities, even if you're taking online classes through MSU Denver. Uh, if you want more information about the 40-plus online or hybrid programs that'll get you a degree, or the 700-plus courses that you can take on your path to a degree or because you're just interested in the material, then you can reach out to Harrison Wind or Ali Monroy or just go to msudenver.com slash online and they will have all of the information that you need. All right, welcome in to the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings. Uh, I'm Henry Chisholm and today we're joined by the crew, as always, uh, Jake Schwanitz and Andre Simone. Uh, What's up, guys? What's up, big dog? What's big up? week for us. Big, big week. College sure football is, is uh, truly, truly back. Finally back. Yeah. As if there was any doubt before, this is the week where it's like, you look at the slate and it's just like, yes, we are finally back. It's outstanding. Now, I guess this should be a disclaimer we have every show. With more games, there will be more guys that I mentioned in our pre previews that then I'll watch the game and be like, oh, no, shoot, that guy's holding out or um that's just a deal this year is we we have so many different holdouts and stuff like that i can't even keep track anymore but we will try to be diligent i promise we'll get into gear you know we'll we'll get into mid-season form by about thanksgiving that's when every conference will be in mid-season form and that's when we'll be in mid-season form we didn't okay, get about you know no spring games this year so you gotta you gotta let us uh acclimate too or we're gonna get some soft tissue injuries and no one wants that seriously seriously uh i'm so excited uh like dre said the big 10 is back there's so hmm. many more games to preview uh mac mountain west hmm. no seriously seriously and i feel like i feel like i did like my preseason prep and like got ready for everything like over the summer and then the rug just got pulled out from under me and so i haven't even like thought about the big 10 but then you like go back and you're like okay journey brown really excited to see journey brown it's like oh wait He's one of the guys who opted out. It's going to be a, a weird couple of weeks as we get used to this stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, I know that we wanted to talk a little bit about the quarterbacks, a couple of quarterbacks with Josh Allen and Justin Herbert performing well before we get into like recaps of last week's games, the last couple of weeks games, because we missed yeah. a podcast and getting into what we're about to talk about this week. Um, so I'll kind of like pass the floor to you on this, Jake, because, uh, you had some thoughts about Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. Yeah. So this happened, uh, this was a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, I think we were watching the, uh, 
the Chargers and the uh, Saints Monday night game. Mm-hmm. And just talking to Andre about how Justin Herbert really kind of came out of nowhere and just took this quarterback job, I mean, with both hands and just completely wrestled it away from Tyrod Taylor. There's no doubt at this point that Justin oh, Herbert's the man. guy. Yep. And then, I mean, at the time, it was a bit more of a, a valid conversation talking about Josh Allen's development. We've kind of seen him take a step back the past couple of weeks. But how well, shoot, he just kind of – Yeah, seriously, how he – the first four weeks of the season for him was just – it was a dramatic shift in just level of play, mm-hmm. I think, that we saw uh, since Josh Allen's been in the league, really. I mean, this has been his best four-game stretch, I think. I don't think anyone would oh, yeah. doubt that. But just how the evaluation process between those quarterbacks and how it was similar, how it was different, uh, just for me at least, because coming into that draft, uh, I actually did like Josh Allen quite a bit, Mm -hmm. probably more than people actually were willing to give credit for. I mean, I know he's kind of a meme at this point of just making fun of Josh Allen, but he is, is. I mean, throughout the whole way of all these jokes and the whole draft process, he's always had these tools that have been on display and Justin Herbert kind of did the same thing, but more cleanly on And I was surprised with how clean he looked. Yeah. Uh, and both very relevant for Broncos fans. Cause you know, yes. Josh Allen is on the board when Denver's selecting Bradley Chubb fifth overall um, after Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold were already taken off the board on top of Saquon Barkley and Denzel Ward. And of course, funny enough, they never had a shot at Herbert last year and wouldn't have probably considered him. But had Herbert declared the year we expected him to declare, which was after his junior season, the Broncos have that 10th overall pick and traded down to get Noah Fant and passed on Devin Bush. We know the whole story. Eventually end up in that trade down, getting an additional second rounder to get Drew Locke. How different would it have been if Justin Herbert had declared? Uh, he, the Broncos probably have to trade up to get past the Giants at sixth overall, who now probably take Herbert over Daniel Jones. Um, but it, it's a real interesting shifting door scenario. And I would almost start with Allen because, yeah, sure, there's been a fall off in that Chiefs game, but Allen has done the thing every hater said he couldn't do. Anyone if you ever dared make a, a pro Josh Allen argument, uh, especially after his final year in college, by the way, both kind of hurt themselves by not declaring the first year they could have declared and coming yeah. back to school. Uh, so that's an interesting thing to monitor. We're so obsessed with the last thing that happened. It's why some of these holdouts aren't a terrible idea. Like if you can end with your peak tape, you're better off because sometimes you set expectations so high, you you're just going to fall off. There's no way to improve on those. Um, But anyways, Josh Allen, what all the haters would say is there's never been anyone who had a below 60% completion who came in and exceeded that as a pro, which first off is incorrect because Brett Favre and Michael Vick were both able to do that. Those are pretty significant outliers of guys with extremely high end raw talent who were just able to improve their accuracy by that 5%. And now all of a sudden, everything clicks. Because when you have those tools and you start hitting 60% of your passes, the rest just comes together, you know? And it's it, it, there's so much tied into this in how pass rush 
and O-line play being inferior has really forced athletic quarterbacks and the ability to throw on the run, not to just be a fun bonus, but to kind of be a must, at least for young players who aren't like 15-year vets and are so cerebrally advanced, like a Brady, like a Breeze, like a Rodgers, like a Russell Wilson, all these guys to overcome. And some of those guys don't need to overcome anything because they're very mobile already but to overcome those athletic limitations. And the other is a general draft discussion of p- potential. Like we get so obsessed with boomer bust. We, we get so obsessed with like grading draft resumes. And we forget that there's a reason guys like Herbert and Josh Allen are top 10 picks, even though they might've been 25th on a fool like me's board is because it's not about resume. It's even if it's just a 20% of a guy hitting his peak When he hits his peak, watch the F out because he's going to be otherworldly. You know who's the perfect case of this is Mahomes. Mahomes had truly a 20% chance of hitting that peak. He he just reeked a bust. By that point in the NFL, we'd never really had a successful air raid quarterback. That's important. He's the ultimate outlier. But when they work out, when the outliers work out, it's over, man. Look at Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool is the only guy in the history of the combine who was as big and as fast as Megatron. Like, let that sink in, in like a 40-year sample size. But no, he drops to the mid-second, and now it's like, oh, he's a freak. Yeah, he's a freak. Get him the ball, and he'll do incredible things because he's such an outlier. He's a freak. Like, when these guys work out, they don't just work out. They become superstars, and that's all factored into the draft equation. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about Herbert that kind of scared me the most was, I mean, we talked about this at the Senior Bowl, Andre. We Neither of us were really big fans of Herbert. Oh, yeah. And he kind of reminded me, uh, this is a completely other part of the conversation we get into, we could get into, but he kind of reminded me of Paxton Lynch when he was coming out. Just the mm-hmm. offense that he was in where it was, you know, they're kind of taking their shots, but it's mostly screens and behind the line of scrimmage stuff where mm-hmm. you can't really truly evaluate a quarterback when they're just yep. constantly doing that. Because I mean, yeah, you can kind of maybe get some ball placement stuff out of that, but that's yep. really all you're getting. I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one that kind of starts skipping these screens. Once you start, once you're in the evaluation process and you're in like game three or four, cause you just don't get anything from them. So seeing Herbert in that type of offense and just, not really seeing the complete package as a player at in college, I think really affected my evaluation on him because I did see a lot of these tools. I did see the big arm. You did see kind of the throwing on the run and the improvisational skills, but you just didn't see them at a consistent rate. Mm -hmm. Um, And you probably saw that more consistently from Josh Allen. Uh, His tape was, I mean, a better, I mean, it was more fun to watch just because it wasn't screens all the time, but you actually saw more from his game than you saw from Herbert. So I, I mean, it's kind of tough to go back in time now and just say I was wrong on the evaluation, but that's just, that's what I saw. Like, I mean, that's, I saw a quarterback that wasn't really given the keys to the car in college. And now when he's given the keys to the car in the NFL, he is superstar caliber. It's just something that it's not like, I don't, I don't want to say Justin Herbert is like the Mahomes where he's like hit an outlier, but he, I I just didn't see it from him. And it's surprising to see that. The weirdest part of Justin Herbert throughout this whole process was that Oregon didn't build its offense around him. 
Yes. In, in, instead of saying we have a quarterback who's supposedly one of the best in the country, a guy who even if we put him under center and told tell him to hand the ball off every other snap, it's he's still going to be a top 10 draft pick in the NFL. And all the way through, it's just such a weird thing to watch because you know he's so talented. But like you're saying, like it's all the screens. It's it's like occasional deep shots, but for the most part, not running a offense that's suited for a quarterback in the way that other first round picks like Joe Burrow is, is running an offense that is designed for the quarterback to just mm-hmm. tear a defense apart uh, to a tag of Iloa Jalen hurts. All these guys are working in systems that are meant for them to be the star of it. Yeah. It's so strange to have Justin Herbert go through. And, and that is kind of the weird part there though, is do you say, when you look at t- the tape, we really don't see all that much there. Or do you say, when he is given the opportunity to put things into his own hands, things generally go pretty well. So why don't they, they do that more? And you kind yeah. of have to work off of his reputation, which is that he is talented and that if you draft him, there's a good chance that he will be a good quarterback when you ask him to do more. But, but it, that's it's a just red kind flag. of the reverse. It, it is a yeah. red flag. Like, like that if, has to scare you away. If at the college level, the coaches aren't willing to put it all on their shoulders. In fact, they're kind of going the opposite way. That's a red flag. Josh Allen, as bad as his tape looked, or even Drew Locke, as bad as those guys' tapes looked at times, you knew it was because they were putting the entire offense on their shoulders and they were getting into bad habits, making bad mistakes because of it. You could have said the same thing about Jared Goff at Cal, Patrick back to Mahomes at Texas Tech, same thing. You know, so it's all... And the other thing we were talking about, Jake, and so there's a couple caveats. That's a major red flag. I'm, yeah. And it's, again, don't the old scouting adage, do not blame a prospect for something that's out of their control, but it's, it's human nature to think, uh, what's going on here? Why yeah. isn't Oregon putting it on his shoulders? And then the other caveat is playing itself out in the NFL. I've got, the scouting report from our draft guide that I believe you wrote up, Jake. Yeah. And it's right there in the negatives for all to see. Just like we've nailed a bunch of negatives from these scouting reports. He was missing the clutchness. It, yes. he, does, he does declare for the draft in that Daniel Jones class. If he closes out his three best games of his college career. Washington, which I believe goes to overtime. Maybe it's Stanford that goes to overtime. And then Cal, which at the time was the best defense in the Pac-12. Justin Herbert hits another level in his game, makes some spectacular throws. And yet, I believe Oregon's leading in all four in all three games going into the fourth quarter, force overtime in one of them, and I think they lost another one. So it just was like he 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 played the best games of his career for three and a half quarters. And then when he just needed to close it out, him and the Ducks couldn't do it. And it happened three times in a row in his three best games against his three best opponents. And that's why Oregon doesn't get a playoff shot that, that year. It's why he comes back and he never played as well as he did in those three games. And the offense really kind of changed. And I thought, and I maybe still think, that's part of why they didn't put the entire offense on his shoulder is because in clutch moments, he didn't come through for them. 
And so they kind of went away from that more and more and relied more on the run game and relied more on the offensive line, which was the best in the country last year. Yeah, so the the just the knock on Justin Herbert in the clutch moments, I can kind of nail that down to just a few kind of games from last year. Uh, the first game of the year against Auburn when Justin yep. Herbert aired the ball out of the end zone on the final play, yeah. that was – I mean, I don't want to put too much stock into a play, but that was – Kind of an eye-opening play at the time. Uh, the Pac-12 Another big game. They're ahead. Can't close it out. Bo Nix makes more clutch plays <laughs> as a true freshman in his first college start than Justin Herbert does. Like, yeah. sorry, guys. That's a massive red flag. That's a massive red flag. By the way, in the NFL, he has yet to close out a game. Everyone's super excited. First three and a half quarters. They have yet to win a game with him. So it's proving out to be true. That's the thing, though, too, that I've kind of seen with him in the NFL is that you're going to get these kind of splash plays, but we haven't really kind of seen it in a two-minute drill or in the fourth quarter. It's kind of just been, you know, he'll have a big first quarter. He'll have a big first half. You know, he'll lead a third kind of a third quarter comeback. But, you know, he's not, he hasn't really had that kind of – I don't know. It's I feel like it's kind of unfair that we're talking – about sure, sure. Light for four Three games. career starts in the most odd season in NFL it's, history. Yeah, exactly. But still, at some point, that's what you pay the quarterbacks the big bucks for. That's why Tom Brady is Tom Brady is because he can come back and lead a team in the fourth quarter. That's why Peyton Manning was so great is because he finished games and closed teams out. That's I, why, it, while the stats aren't great, we're so excited about Drew Locke in Denver because one way or exactly. another, it doesn't always look pretty. But it, you, it's undeniable. They're five and two without him, like four and ten, or four and ten without him, five and two with him the last two years. It's undeniable when he's on the field, they they have a chance and they just win a higher percentage of games than they lose. Yeah, so it's crazy. I wonder, yeah. Maybe I'm crazy, but I do kind of wonder if because Justin Herbert is a, a kind of a play action quarterback. I feel like I would call him like so much yes. of what he does is built sure. off of the play action at the end Josh of Allen games. Too. Yeah. At the end of games, when there's no threat of the run, you're not getting the defense to bite all those like crossers flying across, just getting that half step advantage. I wonder if those going away is something that's mm-hmm. holding him back late in games. It's a theory at the think, very least. No, I think you're right, Henry, because Yes. A lot of the big plays really do kind of come off those play action rollout type things where oh, yeah. there's eight blockers in front, you know, that's mm-hmm. a design deep shot. All he's got to do, I mean, all he's got to do is lay out a perfect ball basically, but I mean, right. he's got one of the big pluses about him was his arm and his uh, totally. arm strength. So it's definitely something in his, uh, I guess, repertoire, but it's not, it's not like a Mahomes like where it's like out of system or Deshaun yep. Watson like where it's yep. like he's making a play. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's or still within structure. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. Russell. Mm-hmm. It's still within structure a bit. So, yeah. And that's where Josh Allen, I think, has separated. You know, that comeback against the Rams is huge there. Yeah. That's something Josh Allen showed at, at Wyoming because they had some big comebacks. And, you know, it's interesting. Justin Herbert was more of a checks all the boxes, but we have yet to see him put it all together. And I, we, you know, he's a usual suspect. I see a lot of the bus qualities I've seen in former quarterbacks. So I'm a little more reluctant. Josh Allen had all the high end. It was like Josh Allen had the, it was the restaurant with the most amazing appetizer and dessert and it's eclectic and it's super cool. Amazing drinks. 
but the meat and potatoes sucked. Like they were just like burnt to a crisp or you, you had like a minuscule portions. That was just like completion percentage. Now the meat and yeah. potatoes are, are good enough and everything else just feels so much better, you know? One more thought yeah. on Justin Herbert. Um, it is kind of strange. It seems like just a couple of years ago, everybody was saying like, oh, I'm not sure if we can draft a quarterback who doesn't have experience under center. Like it's so hard of getting these guys who come from spread offenses, trying to teach them how to play in the NFL. But now it does feel like playing under under center hurt Justin Herbert a little bit. And if he hadn't been in an offense that was kind of based off of running the ball and then play play action off of running the ball, and he had just been in a spread system, he might have had better draft prospects. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what he would look like with Mike Leach, but would he have been able yeah. to execute at that high of a level, mm-hmm. you know, just because it's a lot of short passing. And, you know, one of the knocks I had on Justin Herbert was, you know, the accuracy and ball placement could kind mm-hmm. of be inconsistent. So, but it's an interesting conversation for sure. I mean, I, that was one of the things that really held me up in the process with him was this offense at Oregon. I just thought was, especially as the process kind of went on and you just kind of went back and watched more Herbert. It, the offense just was really kind of an awkward fit with him. Yeah. Just, it just like we already talked about, it didn't highlight his strengths. So mm-hmm. it, it was kind of just like a waste of time, just like going right. through multiple games because it was the same thing. Yeah. And we all gave Herbert his chances. I mean, I, I saw Josh Allen and Herbert play live when Herbert was like a sophomore. Hank, you flew out to Oregon to see that dude and kind of got, got even got some some inside scoops on the kind of leader in person he is. And I got you know. so many scoops. <laughs> but it is crazy going out there though, because you know. it is different. Like you go and watch mm-hmm. at different stadiums and you like look through the list of scouts and you're like, okay, interesting. And then you go to Oregon and it's like probably 20 teams at least have scouts there. The game I went to, the Falcons had four scouts probably just watching Justin Herbert. And, yeah. and it is like a different level when you see him, even at Pac-12 media day, like you talk to basically all of the quarterbacks from the entire conference and you talk to Justin Herbert and you're like, six, six, two forty. Yeah. That that's a, that's a professional athlete right there. looking me in the eyes. And there is something different about like, like they're NFL players. And then there are people who you look at and you're just like, you could, you're a freak. You deserve to be making millions of dollars doing something athletically. Yeah. Like Visca is one of those. Visca is one of those too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got, I mean, both those guys kind of have some like Derek Henry to them where they could play like six different positions on the field. Like Herbert yeah. could be an all world tight end. He could be a really oh, good sure. edge rusher. You know, he could do a lot of what TJ Watt did if that's what he wanted to do, you know, um, so, and that's another thing that those athletic traits that they're going to translate, they're going to translate to just about everything, but we got to see how they, they progress as well as quarterbacks. Yep. Um, before we move along to talk about all of the games we saw last week and the week before, because we had to emergency cancel that podcast. No. Um, want to tell you guys a little bit more about DraftKings, the presenting sponsor of this podcast, uh, Week six is in the books, and now it is time to review the tape and get ready for week seven. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week seven, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. 
If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you do not want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to earn a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when signing up using promo code DNBR. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet, from live betting to betting on your favorite players. They do it all. Don't worry if football isn't for you. DraftKings is giving all MMA and baseball fans who sign up now the chance to turn $1 into $100 by betting on either this weekend's UFC 254 or by taking action on any baseball championship game. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up and get up to $1,000. That's code DNVR to get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay. So since we didn't have a podcast last week, um, but we did do picks for all the games the week before, let's just start by running through some of these picks. Um, and then if there's like uh, anything you want to say about like what happened in that game or those teams are playing in a game this week that you have something to say about, and hopefully that means we'll knock out basically everything. There you go. Okay. Let's get it uh, rolling. Need to find this note. <laughs> I wish um, Isaiah Spiller was draft up. Dude. Who? The Texas A&M running back. He's. My Lord. Man, dude, he's good. Yeah. He, he runs legit. like he's 205, but he's 225. Doing that to Florida's defense. And then the next week, I forget what other uh, Mississippi State. He is torching at the SEC defenses, which are also more like Pac-12 defenses this year. Um, but yeah, man, he's been insane. He just looks yeah. like an NFL player. He's one of those guys that you – Henry was just talking about Visca. I mean, those type of guys that you just look at, and mm-hmm. it's like you're just yep. – he's just a dude. You know what I mean? Like he's 100%. got that look to him. 100%. Yeah. And I think Caltras statistically still looked fine, but I think we can all like pump the brakes on the contrast yeah. there's just not the anticipation or zip to his throws um and you know those are kind of key aspects when you don't have the yeah. big arm or otherworldly athleticism we were just talking um with those big names <laughs> i'm gonna do it uh, i don't want to jump the gun but i kind of figure it's perfect since we just talked about josh allen and Justin Herber, I think Zach Wilson is QB three in this class. I'm telling you okay. right now. Are we are we gonna get into this right now? Are we, we might as well. Wilson thing? We might yeah, as we well. might as well. Might, might as, as well. well. Oh, why? Okay. Like, why not play the hits? Like, let's right. let's just play the hits, man. <laughs> Zach Wilson, I I didn't even know about him until I don't know two three weeks ago after mm-hmm. the show when uh, Henry told me, oh by the way, BYU has a dope quarterback. Yep. I went and checked him out and wow. Um, this guy is, he reminded me of like a Mahomes lock type where it's just like, Dude. he's got that swagger, man. Oh, I mean, God. the way he plays the game and it's just like that confidence you can see if that makes sense. 
Um, oh, yeah. It makes sense because the guy tosses like blinded scoop passes for like 10 yards, bro. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like he's insane. Yeah. He's an all time like entertaining watch at quarterback. He's so Seriously. much fun. Especially when they keep playing trash teams. Like he yeah, has to just go be a superhero. It's like, okay, yeah. glad we got the win against Houston. That was the only competitive game all season. And I mean, it, it's not like Houston's the scariest team in the world so yeah it, it is crazy though like because he does do all like the flippy stuff i think what impresses me the most mm -hmm. is like the way he runs the ball i know how crazy this sounds but there's like a little bit of like lamar jackson in the way that he can like i thought more kyler guys. russ mm, yeah. like okay. it's that it's that quick twitch those guys have yeah and i Gosh, I should have done my research. I wonder if he's another of these dudes with a baseball background. Because he Wouldn't does all me. that like fluid hip, like off platform yeah. stuff. That's really where he's at his best. Well, and, and the arm angle stuff too. He's oh yeah, totally. Um, and you know, we you mentioned Houston, best opponent, yeah. they're down 10 points. And he come he brings them back. He's he didn't play his best football um in that second quarter, but then brings them back and uh really really played a really nice game. I'm not seeing a ton of anticipation, I'm not seeing the best ball placement, but the arm is live. I love the off-platform stuff. He's a he's a great guy for the modern NFL. He's a great guy. He definitely has top 50 traits. Yeah. Back to the yeah. ball handling. Did you see that shovel pass touchdown that he kind of just like underhand yeah. tossed? Yes. That was the coolest thing. <laughs> no, he's uh. wild, man. He also tried like the stupidest jump pass into double coverage. <laughs> he he does like just whack it. things. And the Louisiana Tech game he had earlier in the year was even better. He's a guy who's had several games in his career of like no incompletions or just like two incompletions on 26 attempts. Um, he gets hot. He gets going. And it's BYU usually has a really tough schedule um, in this year, you know, because of the restrictions. They can't play all those power five teams they typically play. So, yeah, they are limited to playing the La Tech and UTSAs and Houston's of the world. So that will be a major question mark for him is the level of competition. But I don't know. I was, man. Running, I was running through their schedule a couple of days ago and just using like ESPN gives you the percentages that mm -hmm. they're going to win each game. If you like yeah. click on the app, if the app is working and uh, I've, <laughs> it turned out that like, I think three of the games that are left, they have at least like a 93% chance of winning pregame. And the others are like in the seventies or eighties. Well, so it, it is this weird situation where he's going to have a decision to make. Does he come out after being essentially unstoppable? Like, this is a man, looking at these passing by direction charts from Pro Football Focus, he's the reason that I want access to this stuff. He's 6 of 6, 20 yards downfield to the left, 4 of 5, 20 or more yards downfield head on, and he has a 99.6 rating on field throws to the deep right. He's only 7 of 11, but that means guys must be dropping balls. Like, it is absurd, and if you do this, I think you just have to go to the draft. You don't, you oh, yeah. don't go back one more year and see what happens against better competition. What's interesting is you just set the scene for them going undefeated. They're already highly ranked. They'll get a New Year's Six mm -hmm. Bowl, and then we'll see them against like a Penn State or Oklahoma or who knows. Um, Georgia even. Right, yeah. right. And then all of a sudden, 
that's going to be the tape that's like 20% of his eval, you know? Seriously. Yeah. It's going to, I don't know. I, I'm bought in. Look, I, I, I tweeted like, I think he's QB two during that last game, right before he went cold for a stretch. And uh, I got flamed for it. And in hindsight, I was being reactive again. Oh yeah. You can't put him ahead of Justin Fields, can't but it. it's like Justin Fields doesn't have like a, a clear path to being number two anymore. In my opinion, I think that there's a real chance that Zach Wilson can challenge him for this spot. Hmm in a way that I didn't think was possible before the season, or at least I didn't think was possible a couple of weeks ago. And we saw the quarterbacks who we thought maybe could get there, not do all the things that they could potentially have done. In some ways it's going to set up a bit of a like Baker Mayfield versus Josh Allen type debate where we're going to start talking about him versus Trey Lance. And do we want the more, toolsy but a lot harder to project guy or do we want this more entertaining um you know really made for a spread offense type of cat it's gonna be very interesting but anyways that's our little zach wilson tangent um let's go through some of these picks so florida state versus notre dame um and i've lost you write these down uh i did uh also the other story like Trevor Lawrence is just what a stud, bro. What a stud. Trevor Lawrence has that Steve Nash, Peyton Manning, Nikola Jokic, like superstar quality of the game for him is slower than it is for everyone else. He's yeah. reached mm-hmm. that level. Um, and he just makes everything look insanely easy. Insanely easy. He's crazy good. Yeah. Um, so let's start with that game. So Miami versus Clemson, 14 and a half point line. You guys took Miami. I took Terrible. Clemson and uh, I got that one. Uh, any other thoughts from those two teams? Should we just keep going? Um, real quick on Trevor Lawrence. So in that Miami game, we kind of saw a bit of an edge from him, which was cool to see. Uh, he had a touchdown. I think it was a sneak uh, later in the game, and he started drawing with the Miami guys after that. I don't know. I just love to see that from him. I, we haven't, I don't think we really saw that from him yet, so that was cool to see. Yeah, I like that. Um, that uh, ETN also is... making a case for RB. Ooh, stud. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that the Kamara uh, comps are on point, but yeah, <laughs> it's uh... – He's up there, man. He's up there. I see. I see what they're getting at, but I'm. I'm gonna pump the yes. brakes on that one. I mean, um, Kamara's turned the NFL into like Fresno State, and he's Reggie Bush. So that's yeah. where I just say, <laughs> chill. Out. Yeah, uh, Amari Rogers too. Uh, going yeah. back to that Miami game is kind of really stepped up. That's something we talked about preseason. Can he step up with Justin yeah. Ross out without T Higgins now, and he kind of has filled that bill and more. Him and John. Michi at Bama have really come out as these like third wide receivers at big programs, really stepping mm-hmm. it up this year. Yep. Yep. Uh, Florida State, Notre Dame, 21 point line. Uh, we all took Notre Dame uh, and we were all wrong. Backdoor covered. But Dre did throw out that they that he really wants the Notre Dame minus 11 and a half at halftime, which did hit. So congrats on that, Dre. Thanks. Any thoughts there? I mean, the the real dude on Notre Dame right now is, uh, you know, Jeremiah Wusu Karoma. 
uh, he's he's a top fifty guy, and he's yep. the perfect modern like hybrid linebacker safety kind of dude. Um, Terry on Terry had a big game, and FSU's kind of to Mary on Terry. Sorry, had a big game against Notre Dame, but the big game for Florida State was uh, I mean, the next week where uh, they had the huge upset. And I thought Marvin Wilson really played well in that one. Marvin Wilson was yeah, so yeah. inconsistent also, at times. That's where he took over. Yeah, and Jordan Travis, the quarterback that took over for James Blackman, has kind of injected some life into this offense. He's a lot more oh, mobile yeah. than Blackman. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, against North Carolina last week, I think he ran. I think he was their leading rusher. So um, just uh, Florida State is watchable again, I'll say. No, they're frisky all of a sudden because with all that talent on defense, as long as that quarterback keeps them in them, they're for real. Um, and disappointed a little bit from that North Carolina run game, who regardless has some real like NFL cats on. Yeah, where do we stand on Sam Howell now? Because I've only watched two games, including this one, and I've been really disappointed both of the times I've seen him play. He's more Sam Ellinger than like the next big thing to me. I was impressed with how he kind of led that comeback last week, though. I thought, I mean, I didn't think that the mm -hmm. reason, I mean, he did throw that pick six against Florida State um, mm -hmm. from the like the edge defender. I don't really think that was his fault necessarily, but he really led a nice comeback effort, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. But week. don't you feel like he's more a good college quarterback than like a legit pro prospect? He has that can, feel, yeah. There's a lot um, of people of, high on him for as like QB one in 2022, and I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna pump the brakes. I mean, he's fun to watch, yeah, but exactly. I mean, he's. I'm probably taking Zach Wilson over him easily at this point. So right. that's. Right. I mean, that's kind of where I stand. Yeah, and almost just looking at the tools, I'm probably taking Trey Lance over him too. Yeah, a lot more. Me too. I mean, Sam Howell kind of like. Trying, he kind of like tries to run like Trey Lance, but Lance just does it better. I mean, he's a bigger exactly. body, kind of more physical. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Florida, Texas A&M. Uh, Florida was favored by six. We all took Florida and uh, they lost the game. So that's a tough look. Yeah. I mean, to be expected at some point. Kyle Pitts still got a touchdown, you know, and we talked about Isaiah Spiller and what a stud he is. I need to dig into more of this AM defense, though, because they are for hmm. real. AM's kind Ellen. of sleepy good or sneaky good overall. Mm -hmm. uh, 100%. And like what you were saying, I'm sure you were about to get into it, Hank, but Kellen Mond played well that game. He's starting to turn it around. He was really disappointing early, mm -hmm. but I guess he did he only have 130. 39 passing yards last week, Mississippi State. That doesn't seem right. Maybe I didn't watch that. But, yeah, no, that, I mean, after that right. first week one, it was rough. But then the last couple before that, against Bama and Florida, he put up numbers at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, uh, I, I, I've been burned enough from Kellen Mond to where I will need a bit more before I can get anything close to excited about him again. Like him He's, as a college yeah. quarterback, he's fine. But as of anything beyond that, yeah. He's just one of those guys that I just can't quit, man. Like, I don't know why. I just, every week I just turn him on and I'm like, all right, yeah. kill him on. What you got? And I'm usually disappointed. 
Yeah, pretty much. I've been there though. I know exactly what you mean. I've had plenty of prospects I can't quit. Uh, VT versus North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina was a favored fun by game. three and a half. Um, and North Carolina covered easily winning 56-45. We all took Virginia Tech. Yeah. Uh, that was great. a fun game though, um, man. Totally. Well, this Michael Carter, the running back for uh, UNC, he's been really good, man. He's been I'm, really good. I think the other guy's better. Javante yeah. Williams. Yeah, Javante Williams. Yeah, he probably is. He's the junior of the two, but he's the bigger back. And yeah, he's a uh, real powerful. I mean, UNC, man, they've got some frisky wide receivers too. That's yeah. a that's a nice little team right there. I know that um yeah, there's just there's just some some guys to keep an eye on there for sure. So you know, I I think it was a couple of weeks ago when North Carolina started climbing the rankings a little bit that we were kind of surprised by that. And maybe I think I was talking to Dre at some point where it's like, I weren't quite bought in at that point, but now that they're doing what they're doing, um, you know, looking ahead second, last week of the season, they play Miami. Is it reasonable to expect them to compete with Miami at this point? And even more so, like if they make it to that uh, ACC title game, can they compete with a Clemson? No, they just got beat by Florida State. Yeah, I think they are terrible. I hate them and they're dead to me. I was having the greatest Saturday and then UNC ruined everything. So, yeah. All right. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I just don't. It's a fair point that there's plenty of talent. They're still like a year away from putting it together. That that ranking was, you know, fictitious because it just yeah. there are only so many undefeated teams by that point. Um, and there are only I mean, so it, many teams overall. Yes, so many exactly. Yeah. Are saying they aren't voting for the Big Ten and Pac-12. And we've talked about how the ACC is way more frisky this year. They they might mm-hmm. be the second best team in the ACC when it's all said and done. That's going to be a fun race for the second best team in the ACC. But yeah, Cle- is. Clemson's just at another level. I think they could push Miami, though. I think that game could be yes. fun. That's a toss-up. Um, for sure. Real quick, though, just the rankings this year are just insane. Uh, did you guys know Oklahoma State is number six right now? I mean, that's just... Cincinnati <laughs> Cincinnati is number nine? Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I mean it's like... They're they're playing like rank three conferences. Like, it makes no sense. It's just like, <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. But the weird part is like the voters are split on whether they should be voting for Big Ten teams. And so some do and some don't. And so like Ohio State slots in wherever they slot in because half of the ballots leave them off. Or I don't think it's half. I think it's like a quarter of ballots leave them off. But yeah, SMU I mean, 16th, Marshall's 22nd. I will. I do like Coastal Carolina 25th, though. That was a nice win they had last week in primetime against Louisiana, a team whose running back running game we've hyped up. Very nice game by Coastal Carolina. Well deserving of their 25th ranking. Everything else is just BS. Yeah. Coastal Carolina think, ranked over Oklahoma. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was last week that Cincinnati was actually eighth, and we were on the Buffs media call waiting for the interviews to start. And we were talking about whether they should expand the college football playoff. I realized if they expanded to eight, right now that means Clemson plays Cincinnati in a so like competing for a, a championship. So dumb. It's yeah. so dumb. It's so dumb. 
Uh, Tennessee, Georgia. Georgia is favored by 12 and a half. Ended up being a 23-point Georgia win. But uh, you guys had Georgia. I had Tennessee. So that's a uh, Georgia covered, one. right? Yes. I think so. Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the next week is where it got tricky for me. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the takeaways from that game? Georgia-Bama. That's more interesting than Georgia-Tennessee. Yeah. Um, that Bama is ridiculous and that these wide receivers are as good, if not better, than Judy and Ruggs. That's my main takeaway. Yep. Yep. Tyson Campbell, good cornerback. Mm-hmm. Not a top 20 cornerback. More like top 40. You know, and, and early second round, end of the first, that's right in the range where he should be going. Got all the tools, but yeah, he, he can't lock down these top dudes. Jake and I were talking a bit about Mac Jones off air, who he's an interesting one. He's another guy he's sneaking into being a top 100, maybe even top 50 pick at this point. I thought he showed a lot during the Georgia game too. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, we already talked about his deep ball and you know kind of how much loft and touch he can put on those, but he, I, he showed me something as a playmaker, I think kind of just moving around in the pocket, um, some poise too. And just, I mean, when you have Waddle and uh, uh, Devonte Smith, it just makes things so much easier. Um, Crazy. Can we talk about Waddle versus Smith real quick though? Yeah. Where do, where do we stand Ooh, yeah. on this already? Oh, I've, I'm I, I'm bigger on Waddle. Okay. I I wanted to be bigger on Smith, but I feel like I am shifting toward Waddle. I think I'm going to call it right now. Waddle's going to be the first receiver drafted. I think I so mean, too. I think we agree. Jamar yeah. Chase made a monumental mistake by not coming back to school. Yeah. Or maybe a great a great decision because without Burrow and that offense, he was going to get exploited. One way or another, I think Waddle's proving a lot more to be, you know, independent of a quarterback and offensive scheme. While I think Jamar Chase is a little more reliant on that. I've said it all along. I always thought Waddle was a better prospect than Henry Ruggs, the top wide receiver taken in what I think this panel would argue is one of the greatest wide receiver classes of all time. So while it sounds insane to, to, you know, people deep in the draft stuff like us, it's not insane at all. I think Waddle's right there for me. He's 4A on my board. So he's the best prospect, not named Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Penny Sewell in this class. And 4B is Jamar Chase. They're right there neck and neck. And I think every week Waddle's slightly separating just a little more. You can't teach that speed. You cannot teach that speed. He's just a natural baller. I mean, the, the most impressive thing about him too is just how big he plays for someone that's not very big. Yeah. It's and you add the speed to that, it's just it's close to a complete game at this point. I don't want to put that on him already, but it's he's so impressive to watch. He put Tyson Campbell on skates, a guy who had just locked down Seth Williams of Auburn, who's an absolute freak of nature himself. He put Tyson Campbell on skates. Tyson Campbell Falls, falls to the ground on the, the biggest play of the yeah. game because he can't keep up with Waddle. That's mm-hmm. not because oh, and a lot of people, oh, it's one play he slipped. Yeah, he slipped because he couldn't keep up with the most electric player in college football. That's what what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, you're out on an island against an athlete like that. You're going to slip from time to time because your feet couldn't handle what he was, he was bringing to the table. Yep. 
So uh, no, he's a freak. He's a freak and uh, makes other freaks look average. Um, Najee Harris too. I think he's my number one back at this point, man. He's so complete. He's he's not quite Derrick Henry, but he's just one of those guys that you shouldn't be able to move like that when you're that big. Yeah. Yeah, this game had a big performance from Christian Bearmore, the big number 58 for Bama, who's had a lot of hype. You'll see him highly ranked on some boards and um, mock drafts. Up till this point, that's all been just projection. Uh, he really hasn't produced or played or been the leader of like a, a Bama defense that's kept up the standards of being a Bama defense. Finally shows some life in this game with a, a sack, a tackle for a loss, two pass deflections at the line. So that's nice to see. And Dylan Moses has been an absolute animal. I love Dylan Moses. Um, a couple more guys um, on the defensive side of the ball for Bama. Patrick Sertain hasn't really shown like any of the flash plays yet. He's just so solid though, man. Yes. He's so smooth. Uh, it's he's like teach tape. Basically he's awesome. Yep. And then uh, real quick, uh, James Cook for Georgia, Dalvin Cook's younger brother, had an 82-yard reception. Not bad. Game. Not bad. Yeah. Also, I didn't realize say, that's who that was. I didn't realize he was related to Dalvin Cook. I don't know the yeah. connection either. In fact, I need to figure out if Isaiah Spiller's uh, related to CJ. He's not. I looked that up last night. <laughs> Nicely done. Um, yeah. I, it was far from perfect. But he doesn't have a mobile quarterback, and he probably faced the toughest edge-rushing duo in the country. I thought Alex Leatherwood did just fine. And mm -hmm. I haven't been super impressed by Samuel Cosme, the North Dakota left tackle. He had his game um, and was fine, but he allowed a sack as well. I think Leatherwood slowly but surely another guy who's separating himself and kind of establishing himself as offensive tackle two in this class. Yeah, I think that holding your own against this defense is really impressive. The, the Georgia, good. honestly, I think my takeaway, even though Bama did kind of just blow them out, is like, okay, Georgia's defense is for real. And I think Georgia's defense is one of three for real defenses in the country, I would argue. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I think I would have them number one on that list. I think you're right. In a year where it's like, Basically, every college football defense is going to look like the Big 12 and the it's just over city. Georgia is probably one of those couple defenses you can rely on. Yeah, you might be right. They might be the best defense in the country. And it's insane what Bama was able to do against. Yep. Before um, we close out that week. Oh, and Jake, we'll get to that. Um, I want to say shout out to Jace Horn the South Carolina cornerback. He has a yeah. big game against Auburn with two picks. Will Muschamp keeps producing nice defensive talent over there for the Gamecocks. Um, Mukuamu, who I always talk up and I think um, isn't playing this year, is their star cornerback. But Horn has taken over, and he had a really big game. He's a sleeper first-round pick because he's uh, he's got all the traits, you know, and in a in a week where you know Patrick Sertain maybe does nothing noteworthy um Asante Samuels has been up and down for Florida State Tyson Campbell we talked about a guy like Horn this was a big week for him big week absolutely massive I think it was the best game I've seen from a cornerback so far this year and yes this probably the best game from a prospect I saw last week uh he Agreed. was just shutting down Seth Williams and Early in or it was mid first quarter, um, 
Auburn's knocking on the door on the goal line and uh, JC Horn had back-to-back pass breakups on Seth Williams on the goal line, basically, which was impressive. Um, both interceptions were beautiful. He was just a monster. Yep. But yep. then Seth Williams actually had a couple of nice plays too. So it was, a, it was a cool battle. Yes, yeah. absolutely. The, those South Carolina receivers are a lot of fun to watch too. Like Shai it seems Smith. like they're all, he's incredible. It, it seems like they're all like some form of Debo Samuel, but just yeah. like tweaked and often like some other different way, but they all are so dynamic. But yeah, I like their uh, running Shai's, back too. Mm-hmm. Yes. The yes. SEC between Harris, who's the sophomore running back at South Carolina, Spiller, who I just we just waxed poetic over at Texas Tech, and then Zach Wilson, right? That's his name. No, Zach, the 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 Georgia running back. Those oh, three James running Cook. backs. Are, oh no, the the other one. Oh, Zamir <laughs> the, White. Zamir White. White. Jesus. Yeah, I got the ZW right, but <laughs> Zach Wilson was incorrect. Um, <laughs> uh, those are all outstanding sophomore running backs in the SEC. Um, that'll really mm-hmm. be nice to watch for that 2022 class. Uh, Zamir White was up. returning kicks too. Dude, wild. Yeah, uh, yeah, I really like him, but. Uh, We'll wrap up these picks real quick. Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma favored by three. You two took Texas. I took Oklahoma uh, and uh, Oklahoma covered for me. Um, Also last one, Pitt, BC, BC, six and a half points underdog. We took, no, we took BC. We took BC and and they uh, got it in overtime. Yep. So good news there. Uh, we're going to talk about what's going to happen in this week's games and mm. what to expect from the Big Ten's return. But first, I want to tell you all about Strava Craft Coffee. Uh, haven't tried Strava yet. We're actually selling Strava cold brew at the DNVR bar. So come down and check it out for yourself. There are other places around Denver where you can try it as well, like Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, uh, Max Market. Uh, or you can order it for yourself from the Strava Craft website. And there are some awesome deals that you can take advantage of. Uh, first of all, uh, if you use the code DNVR20, you can get 20% off your first order from Strava Craft Coffee. It is really good coffee. We really recommend that you do it. It's CBD infused. Uh, it's non-psychoactive. You're not going to get high. It's just going to help with all the things that CBD helps with, like anxiety or back pain or IBS or whatever you're dealing with. There's a good chance that it will help. Um, like I said, DMVR20 will get you 20% off your first order. But if you're ready to commit, then you can actually get 20% off every single order by going to their website and subscribing to a product. You have the option of getting your coffee every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. And you get that 20% off every single time that that product is shipped to you. Uh, It's a great deal. Make sure that you take advantage of it. Um, And you can get your Strava Craft coffee in a variety of different forms, uh, whether you want the K-cups or the grounds or the beans, subscribe to them, get your 20% off. Or if you just want to check them out, you can go to one of the places I mentioned or order one order for yourself using the code DMVR20 to get 20% off that order from Strava Craft Coffee. Well done. All right. Um, big week. Let's let's jump in with the Big Ten. Uh, of all of these first week of Big Ten games, <laughs> where do you – which one do you want to see the most? You know. I think it's – we all know. Tell them, Jake. Tell them. 
It's I think it's easily Michigan and Minnesota, right? Damn straight it is. Heck yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's go. Top yeah, 25 yeah. matchup already? Yeah. Yeah. Tanner Morgan against uh whoever Michigan will try and start at quarterback this year. <laughs> um, that defensive front against that offense. I mean, that is an all time unit matchup. It's uh, similar to Bama, Georgia. It's right up there at that level. Um, so glad Rashad Bateman's back. One yeah. of my favorite wide receivers, uh, the probably the best OBJ impersonator in the world. He wears number 13. His pads are kind of similar and he's a freak in making one-handed grabs. Um, and he's going to be fun to watch against maybe my favorite defensive lineman in this class and Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. And uh, a defensive line is stacked. Stacked. So yeah, this is going to be a great one. And DraftKings, you can bet a dollar and win a hundred if you're a first time user on this game specifically in Colorado. So not bad. What do you expect to see from Tanner Morgan? Do you have notes on him yet? Um, just a little bit from what I've seen over the past couple of years from him. I mean, he was impressive as a young player. So yeah. he's just someone I've just continued to be impressed with as he kind of progresses. And just, I mean, kind of the same thing, just kind of seeing, can he take that next step? Can he yeah. really be a dominant quarterback and lead this Minnesota team Um you know, the kind of Minnesota uh, ascension, I guess, has been really surprising. I think P.J. Flex yeah. done an insane job there. Totally. Um, but I think if they're going to take that kind of, you know, if they're actually going to compete with Penn State and Wisconsin and Ohio State and, you know, compete for a title, it's got to be Tanner Morgan that really kind of pushes this team over the top. More consistency, uh, more high-end throws from Morgan. Yep, taking us sure. to the next level. That's what that'll look like. We can continue talking about Morgan. Uh, Andre, did you see Nico Collins opted out just a couple <sighs> days ago? Why? So I, I don't, he was actually on the Adam Schefter pod this week, um, and he talked about it. I didn't listen to it, but uh, yeah, apparently it was a tough decision for him. And I mean, it's a bummer. He, yeah. He's one of my favorite guys. Yeah, because that's not that's not a Jamar Chase ending your tape on a high note where you know you're never going to be able to meet that standard again. That's uh, finally with a new quarterback, finally without Donovan Peoples-Jones, maybe Nico Collins can really show all the tools. So yeah, massive bummer that we don't get to see him. But that's uh, that's the matchup of the weekend. I, I love that. Yeah. And I, 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 I hate to say it, Jake, but I kind of like the Gophers as home dogs in this one. You know what? I've kind of Michigan and the Broncos are kind of in the same boat where it's like I'm not surprised by anything at this point. So I'm, <laughs> yeah. we'll see. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty excited to see Ohio State play Nebraska. I, I know that that's probably because like this weird thing the Buffs have for watching Nebraska fans sure. sad has slowly like seeped in, and now I feel those things too. But also because I want to see Ohio State. I think that. Oh. Right now, I think that there are two contenders for a national title. It's Bama and it's Clemson. Now that Ohio State has entered the mix, I think that there's a good chance that they join them and it becomes a, a kind of three-headed race to get to the title. Yeah, for sure. Um, On paper today, I think Ohio State's better than Bama. I think they're the only team at the level of Clemson. And I actually think Clemson, with some of the holdouts and other stuff they've had, um, on paper, again, Ohio State might be the most talented team in the country. Uh, 
I don't think there's another program. Well, Bama, Bama. Uh, but there's uh, th- three potential top 15 picks here in uh, Justin Fields, Sean Wade, the stud defensive back, kind of do it all, can play in the nickel, you know, can play outside. Wyatt Davis, uh, widely regarded as the top interior offensive lineman prospect in this class, many mocking him already in the top 20. Um, Chris Olave is an absolute burner and stud at wide receiver. I think one of the more highly wide receivers, uh, rated wide receivers Ohio State's had in a while. And, you know, I'm very intrigued by their left tackle, uh, Munford, as well. I mean, there's just talent across the board at all levels on this team. And then Trey Sermon coming over from Oklahoma. He's probably – I mean, they have another guy too. I can't remember his name right now, but I'd expect Trey Sermon to lead that backfield and to can kind of pick up where J.K. Dobbins left off and just yep. torch these defenses. Totally, man. And he's he's size wise he size wise he's nothing like Le'Veon Bell, but he kind of plays like Le'Veon Bell at his best. So he's not mm-hmm. going to be overwhelm you with like quickness or speed. He's got a nice patience, very good in the receiving game. He's a nice little addition uh, for the Buckeyes as well. Uh, Josh Myers may be the best offensive center in the class too. So, I mean, just across the board. Tyreek Smith, you know, this is edge rusher you with producing the Mm -hmm. Bosa's and Chase Young. Tyreek Smith's supposed to be the next guy down there on the edge for him. So Nebraska is going to have their hands full. It's a 26 and a half point spread. I already took, told you I'm taking Minnesota um, straight up as home dogs against Michigan. I would take the first quarter over in this one of 14 and a half. That's the one line I like in, in the Ohio State game. Um, one more game that I think we should definitely hit from the Big Ten. We can get any others that you guys like. Um, but this Illinois-Wisconsin game is going to be the only college football game that's on Friday, Friday night. Hell so, yeah. Uh, what are we looking for there? Whew. Wisconsin, man. man. Yeah. We got to see. This is a whole new kind of generation of Wisconsin defenders. We got to discover running backs and offensive linemen, right? They're always good for those positions, um, especially in the trenches on defense. But it is a bit of a generational change, no? Yeah. I mean, Definitely Jonathan is. Taylor was like a legacy player at yeah. Wisconsin, and now he's Damn gone. Straight. So it's kind of change an identity almost who's playing quarterback for wisconsin is it jack Cohn again it's graham mertz uh freshman who is very highly uh regarded i'm not sure this has him as the number four uh i'm not sure if that's player or quarterback in his class i think he might have been the number one quarterback in the country um but he redshirted last year as a redshirt freshman now That'd be huge. Um, I believe he just they just announced he's got the starting job. I can double check. You know, the death taxes and Wisconsin's left tackle being a legit NFL prospect this year. It's Cole yeah. Van Leenen or Lanen. Um, anyways, he's draft eligible and he's he's played well. He's stood out to me on tape um in years prior. So he's definitely the top dog to be looking at, certainly for Broncos fans. Well, we'll yeah. see if uh, Graham Mertz kind of is it Grammarts? Okay. It is. If he can make this team a bit more dynamic and just fun to watch, that'd be huge. great too. That'd be huge. Yes. That would be nice. Yeah, and outside right. of those, what are the good matchups this week? Go ahead, Hank. Where do you want to take um, us? I know. This is, uh, 
this is kind of, I mean, Notre Dame, Pittsburgh, SMU Cincy. Yeah. Notre Dame, Pittsburgh is going to be a good one. Um, either side of the ball, you're going to see, uh, you know, whether it's Paris Ford or the three named, uh, guy for Notre Dame who we need to find a nickname for, because I like, we I sure do. I'm sorry. I just can't. Um, that's going to be a fun matchup. You know, Notre Dame, we keep talking about, they've got plenty of guys on that O line you want to look after. Um, and then Pitt's tight end is a uh, one to watch. Whoa, Patrick Jones going against that O line. That's a premier matchup. Mm-hmm. That's a premier matchup. Yes. So, so that's definitely a good one to watch. Do we want to make picks on this? Well, sure. I'm, I'm cutting yeah. this short in five minutes, just so you know. Okay. Um, oof. I'm taking Pitt. I thought Notre Dame stunk against Louisville. Stunk. Wow. Yeah, uh, Kenny Pickett didn't play last week for Pitt and led to another loss for them. So if he can yep. come back and play, I definitely would take Pitt. Yep, plus 10 and a half. Love it. I'll ride with you guys. I'm so excited. I hope they play this, but it'd be great to see Oklahoma State against a real opponent in Iowa State. Chubba Hubbard, Tillon Wallace, man. They're sleeping giants in this class. Mm-hmm. Um, they had their game last week canceled, but this was a premier matchup for them. You know, and you get to see Brock Purdy and that Iowa State uh, tight end as well. There's definitely plenty of pro prospects in this game, um, but this is a big one for the Cowboys. Um, two big playmakers on offense above all. Just overall um, in this class, uh, this tight end class is actually pretty deep. Um, yes, yes, it something is. that we should talk about at some point for sure. Yeah, totally. Especially now that we get pat fireman's back with penn state yep. mm. that's another one i'm excited to watch uh, penn state man between him and michael parsons on the other side of the ball must watch that's two mm-hmm. top 15 guys if you ask me also i sneaky love this oklahoma state live line minus three and a half that's not enough that's not enough they can score points at will um, yeah. yeah and brock purdy is he can be rough man Oh yeah, he can be rough. He he doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to keep pace with a dynamic offense like the Cowboys have. Yeah. After that, you know, Cincinnati SMU, it's a great matchup between top 25 teams, but like outside of Robinson, I guess there's Shane Bichelle, the the quarterback for uh for SMU will be prospect-ish, right? We need to consider him a prospect. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's all about um, Robertson, Reggie Robertson. The big he's out for the year. Oh shoot! Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh no. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I know. Big loss. That sucks. I'm not surprised SMU's favored in this one though. SMU's explosive. Um, yes. I got one more game though. Uh, NC State at UNC. We got a rivalry game this weekend. Mm, yeah, and yeah, NC State playing kind of sneaky good. Um, so far, man, I have zero feel for North Carolina. Everything I I say, they do the opposite the next week. They have a young quarterback. Like, I feel like that's where all of it comes from is that he has been kind of hit or miss, whether it's in stretches or for entire games. And so one week they might look great. Sometimes you watch him and it's like, you just lost to Florida state. Yeah. Um, I think there might be some value on this UNC line, though, because uh, Devin Leary, the quarterback for North Carolina State, out for the, I think it's four to six weeks with a broken fibula. Mm-hmm. So they are playing a new quarterback. 
and it helps UNC's coming off a loss. If they mm-hmm. had won that, mm, you could see them a little more relaxed maybe, but rivalry game coming off a loss, they'll be up for this one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then Oklahoma TCU. You know, TCU has a low-key one of the better safeties in the country. Um, they, they actually have probably the best safety pairing in the country, but Trevon Mooring is getting a lot of hype, and Darius Washington's another one to watch. So against that Oklahoma offense, that's a nice matchup to watch for sure. And, you know, Bama, Tennessee, there's always talent when those two teams play. Each other. Line set at 21 on that one. Do we – uh, I like Bama still. Yeah, I like Bama. Tennessee's kind of – I mean, they were – I don't want to say they're on the rise, but they've really fallen uh, since we last had a show. So, yeah, I'm taking Bama. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they sure have. They sure have. So, okay. And um, this – you'll hear this op- episode Thursday in your feed. Check in a Friday morning. We're going to have a special bonus episode a mock draft special five weeks in um, where we'll mock the first 13 picks until we get to the Broncos pick and kind of gauge where this draft class is looking at, where this board is looking at this early in the season. So if that sounds interesting to you, our loyal draft pod listeners tune in and check that out in your feed. Thank you guys. We will talk next week and see how these picks go. Sit on the moon.